Welcome into episode 21 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Happy to be joined once again by one of the best up-and-coming recruiting insiders in the game, Travis Graff of CatsIllustrated.com. Travis, man, how are your how was your Christmas? How was the last week or so since since we've talked last? Uh, it's been better. It was a great Christmas, but I feel like I've been on my deathbed for the past week. I've had a upper respiratory infection, so toughing it out for Source to Say podcast today. You know but, what? We we appreciate the fight. We you know we appreciate the effort. But my biggest question right now is: Did Santa treat you well this year? Oh yeah, Santa, aka Kelsey, did a fantastic job in taking care of me. Um, got a got a lot of good gifts, but best part was getting to spend. My first Christmas as a married man with my family and, and her family. That was the best part of it all. Heck yeah. You know, you, you spent your first Christmas as a married man. I spent my first Christmas as an engaged man. It was it was uh, pretty – it was different. It was very cool. I, I, I like it. Um, it's my one and only Christmas being an engaged man since I'll be married this time next year. So, yeah, it was it was a good Christmas. I had a, a lot of fun, a lot of good family time. It was it was a good time. I'm glad you enjoyed your time. Um, but now the grind is back on. We got to talk some Kentucky basketball and Kentucky recruiting. Uh, David can't be with us today. He he texted us today and said that he still had some last minute Christmas traveling and and I think some other basketball stuff as well. So he can't join us. But um, like I was telling Travis before we we jumped on here. Um, I have the podcast equipment with me, so I'll be able to record whenever we want over the, you know, while Nick is down at, in Charlotte for the for the Belk Ball. I have the equipment, so we can record as early as Monday if you guys want to. So um, we'll we'll get back at it in early next week. So we'll try to keep this episode a little bit shorter to not you know overdo it, so we can save some stuff for next next week. But we have so much to talk about this week, uh, specifically involving some future cats, some guys that I think are are absolutely going to be future cats and how the current cats are playing so um first up let's talk about this las vegas trip um and we won't even get into the basketball stuff quite yet in terms of how kentucky played in the back-to-back losses and how that all happened we'll save that for the end of the episode because we have some recruiting stuff for you guys so i attended the tarkanian classic out in vegas which just so happened to happen the exact same week that kentucky was out there for their two games and it was absolutely jam-packed with talent bj boston was there with the the absolute circus that is sierra canyon devin askey was there uh uk major major uk target in the class of 2021 Jaden hardy was there uh kai soto who we talked about last week he was in 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 attendance it was an absolutely loaded crowd loaded talent on the floor uh it was one heck of a time so we can kind of start off by just kind of giving a little bit of like talent evaluations, I guess you could say, of the current Kentucky signees, B.J. Boston and Devin Askew. Um, so I didn't know really what to expect whenever Sierra Canyon came there because, you know, you, you, you read on Twitter, you see on, on all the highlight tapes of every time Sierra Canyon goes anywhere in the country, they are – absolutely loaded from top to bottom uh, you know the, the crowd is just absolutely flooded with people uh, so I didn't know what to expect 
and it exceeded all expectations I had going into it, Travis. I'm telling you, it was a madhouse. You walk in, there was a, a back entrance to the event. Uh, it was actually held at Bishop Gorman High School, where if you remember, that's where uh, you know a lot of top-level players play. But you know, some of the bigger names are you know Shabazz Muhammad and and uh, didn't um, who was the big old tall white guy that that came from out there, the lefty shooter, Steven Zimmerman. Steven Zimmerman, good call, good call, yeah. But uh, the, both of those guys came from there, so that's where the event was held, and uh, there were like two or three security guys, like almost like Secret Service outside the gym, kind of blocking off people and, and kind of regulating who comes in and who goes. Uh, they had three big old Escalades and, and the big old, uh, you know, team tour bus that they were, that Sierra Canyon was with. They are all about some Bronny James. I'm telling you, they have security out the wazoo for this kid, uh, which is just so crazy to me considering he's a four, you know 15-year-old kid. We don't really know how good he's going to end up being uh, when when it's all said and done, but seeing that kind of unfold and, and seeing the gym packed from top to bottom, it was just absolutely nuts. But in terms of BJ Boston and him playing on the floor, I kind of wanted to give a, a you know this is the first time I got to see him in person since he signed with Kentucky, and uh, I wanted to give a little like you know updated scouting report based on what I saw. Um, so what I will say about BJ Boston is that the there were some rumblings that. You know, he played on the AA, AAOT running Rebels uh, on the Nike EYBL circuit. And there were some rumblings that he he wasn't able to score on his own. He had to be kind of assisted by Sharif Cooper, who's you know a former UK target. Uh, that that Sharif was kind of the guy creating easy looks for BJ Boston. So I was really interested to see how he would do creating his own shot and being his own player. And let me tell you, this kid is so, so freaking talented in terms of just personal scoring and being able to create his own shot, creating space. Um, man, when it term- in terms of wide-open jumpers, he is a, he is a knockdown shooter, um, just very fluid shot, just so gifted and, and just such a fluid basketball player. Just you know, He knows how to find his way on the court so easily. I'm, I was just so blown away with just how easy he made everything look. Um, one thing I did notice about his game in particular is that Sierra Canyon really didn't set up a lot of shots for him on his own. He was really left to do it all on his own pretty much. Like they like if if he was off ball, they weren't trying to find him open open looks. They weren't you know setting up screens for him to try to create open shots. Like he it, it, he literally had to bring the ball up on ball up the floor on his own if he wanted to initiate the offense and set things up. Like they they weren't going to let him do it, which was a little disappointing to me. Um, and he came off the bench. Travis, do you know why he's coming off the you know Sierra Canyon's best player is coming off the bench right now? Do you know that? I have no clue. Um, that that's really odd to me. I I only watched one. I watched the tape on one of their games out there, and I believe he started that one game that I watched. It wasn't the tape. It was I was streaming on YouTube, and um, he he started that game. I I never hadn't heard about him coming off the bench. Yeah, because because I had heard that he was coming off the bench like as of like two three weeks ago. In 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 you know Bronny replaced him in the starting lineup, which is just absolutely absurd. I mean, yes, Bronny is very good for his age as a fifteen year old as a as a freshman. He is very advanced, but the fact that that 
Brawny got a starting, you know, got got the starting job over over BJ Boston, who is without a doubt their best player on the on the team. It, it was just it was just a complete outrage. I was very disappointed in that. But um, but I'm telling you, when BJ Boston had the ball in his hands, he was such a dynamic just playmaker. He it wasn't even just about his scoring ability, man. It was you know he was finding open teammates and he was just so quick to jump the passing lanes and and create steals and force turnovers and he was just doing it all on both ends of the floor uh one thing that he will 100% need to keep working on that that was pretty you know it was not a secret during his time at you know playing AAU ball was that he has to get he has to get bulk up a little bit like Travis I'm telling you he 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 was you know very fluid, very creative in in finding open shots, you know to kind of uh, you know counter his lack of size. But whenever he would try to drive in the lane and, and score over you know stronger interior defenders, he was really not not effective at all. Um, he you know he was very effective effective. Uh, in transition and the mid range, you know, you know, even creating his own shot on on the perimeter, he was excellent on all those fronts. But whenever it came to trying to to finishing at the rim against elite talent, that's just something that he that he just isn't isn't there yet. And I think the only way he's gonna get there is by bulking up a little bit. So after my long winded rant, Travis, you know, tell me what you think of of his game and really just how how B.J. Boston is going to fit in this Kentucky lineup next year. You're talking about him needing to bulk up. The scary thing is I think he's added probably 10 pounds this season. He looks a little thicker than he did last season. Didn't they and say that he was like 160 and during the AAU ball? And isn't he? Yeah, I think he's 170 now, right? Yeah, I think he needs to be 185 at least before he gets to Kentucky. And like you said about his playmaking, that's something I've been pleasantly surprised in really studying his film throughout – throughout the year like I'm, I'll watch the YouTube highlights because everybody looks like an all-star on YouTube I found like the full game just film and watch it and he's he's going to be a great secondary playmaker at Kentucky I think he's going to Corey Evans himself said yesterday the rivals uh, recruiting guru he said that he'll allow Devin Askey to play off ball a little bit to really uh, put to use his shooting ability from the outside because <clears throat> I think him, Clark, and Askew are going to be phenomenal next year. I think that they're going to be – I think they're all going to be able to create for themselves and create for others. And BJ's really great at anticipating what the defense is going to do. And he doesn't look to jack up 100 shots. If somebody's open, he makes the right play 10 times out of 10. That's what Charles Pack, his former trainer, when he was at Norcross, told me whenever I interviewed him last year, he, he was like, man – he doesn't care about scoring. He's just a very gifted scorer, so it just comes natural for him. But I, I like I said, I really like what he brings to the table with his passing vision. Yeah, I, I think you hit the hit the nail on the head there. With I, I think there is going to be a ton. I mean, the, the opportunities are going to be endless for him to bring the ball up the floor and and create the offense. I'm telling you right now. After watching him play, he is ten times more effective with the ball in his hands and and kind of just setting things up and and using his court vision to kind of you know set the tone of the offense. That is where ten thousand percent where he was more effective than watching him off ball and watching um, Amari Bailey. It's Amari Bailey, the starter uh, at Sierra Canyon, the, the starting guard there, right? Um, yes. 2022 kid. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan of his game. He was awesome. Um, but 
there was something no- I want to add real quick about BJ is I think he really understands levels and level scoring. I think he really gets that second level to open up his third level from behind behind the arc and vice versa, and then gets the rim whenever he needs to. And I think he really plays the defender well in that aspect. Absolutely. Oh, and on that note, actually, we have a Christmas Day miracle. David has called into the show because he just can't resist. He can't hold off another second without without joining in on this fun. So, David, man, how was your Christmas? How are you doing? Merry Christmas, everybody. I knew everybody was down from the way Kentucky played last week. So, I just had to call in and spread the Christmas cheer and make everybody's holiday. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, we were so Travis and I were just talking about uh, my trip out to Vegas, me uh, going to the the Tarkanian Classic, watching BJ Boston. We were right in the middle of talking about BJ Boston and his game. So you know what? Why don't you just give us your updated BJ Boston scouting report uh, based on how his senior season has progressed and uh, you know kind of um, after his his impressive uh, performance of the Tarkanian Classic? Well, I, I think you've, you probably had uh, a better idea than anybody because you watched him all week. But, you know, Rivals uh, had Eric Bossy out there. And uh, you know, I think everybody's just really impressed with his outside shooting. And I know that, that you had commented um, and, and just watched him shoot, watched him warm up, that he didn't even move the nets. And I, I think well, with kind of where the current state of uh, Kentucky's skill level is on, on this year's team, that's a welcome addition. And uh, so, so I think it's not only that you score, it's just how you score. And, and I, it sounds like something that uh, Kentucky fans are definitely clamoring for. Yeah, I was just telling, I was just telling Travis that, that man, he was so impressive with the ball in his hands. And I was telling him that it was, it was a little frustrating watching um, you know, Amari Bailey is, is or gosh, it's it's Amari Bailey, not yeah, because Amari Bennett. Never mind, never mind. Amari Bailey is very very good for his age. I'm very impressed with his game, and he was kind of leading leading the show. And as impressed as I am with him, there's no reason that BJ Boston shouldn't be running that offense. And the fact that he's coming off the bench and and you know kind of playing this this off ball role. He is so gifted with the ball in his hands and, and his court vision and, and his you know his his dribble moves are I mean he is just so advanced offensively that that he is a type of player that I was I was telling Travis he's going to need the ball in his hands so often at Kentucky because because he's just going to make magic with it he is so gifted um, on on all three levels really with, with the ball in his hands so yeah well, I'm I, I came away absolutely impressed with his game and what he brought to the table. Mm-hmm. And all that good stuff. Very impressive. His handles, his handles are really high level compared to the wings that Kentucky has this year. And I was watching a slam interview with him from last year, and he said it himself. He's like, it's super hard to guard a dude that's taller than you, longer than you, and can dribble. And that's once he puts on weight, that's what he's going to be. Because all right, you watched him in person this past week, and you really like saw his movement in person. My comparisons for him have been Brandon Ingram and more skilled all-round game Kevin Knox. Mm-hmm. What do you think? About that? I think I think Kevin Knox is probably I, he's like what we all thought Kevin Knox would have would be, and I, I thought Kevin Kevin Knox was a fantastic. Oh, so, he on, so he passes on the fast break. Yes. Yeah. Oh, actually. You know, it, 
more often than not, he yeah, that that was one of the most impressive parts of his game. But yeah, um, I think Kevin Knox had one heck of a uh, of a season at Kentucky. I really thought he was a, a very very good college basketball player. But yeah, I think I think that's a great point. I think he is a more fluid, more athletic, uh, more gifted shooter than than. Kevin Knox, I think B.J. Boston 100% is. Um, I, I do think that Brandon Ingram comparison, especially with how he's looking right now in the NBA, I, I think that is that is a great comparison. He and, and one thing I will add is he is a true 6'7", pushing 6'8", at this point. Um, that was one thing that kind of shocked me because I was watching some – I believe he he played in the Hoop Hall Classic last year against Khalil Whitney when when he just toasted Khalil, um, and he looked very short. He looked you know six four six five, and he's he is at least three inches taller than than you know six four. He he is a true six seven six eight player now. Um, so the height's there, the length's there, the the gifted offensive ability is there. We just need him to add a little bit of weight. If he can, can I g- go for it. Can I give you a comparison that's just maybe a little bit off the radar? Uh, Landry Shamit. Oh, that's and, interesting. Well, and the reason I say that is, I, I you know one thing in watching him, I never did get to see him play without uh, Sharif Cooper, and so when I saw you know those guys play. Um, Sharif was always had the ball in his hands, and BJ was playing off the ball. Corey Evans kept telling me the whole time. He said, "Look, look he can play the one through the three. And it, it, and I really hadn't thought about it much here lately until you started talking about how gifted he was with a ball in his hands. It made me go back to that. And I, I'm just thinking about, you know, his, his ceiling's probably a lot higher than Landry Shamich was, but. You know, you think about him with the Clippers now, but, man, I, I really loved him with Wichita State. But, you know, you go back, and, and BJ is probably a little bit taller, but not by much. Shamit was as long. But you start going back and thinking about six, seven, six, eight wings that could really play the point, too, and could be what they call on-the-ball guys where, you know, he's a guy, a guy that size. But like you say, he's got to have it in his hands. Yeah, you, and in fact, what's what's so funny is is right before you you hopped on, uh, I, t- I talked about the the fact that Sharif Cooper was you know there, those rumblings were were they weren't quiet. I mean that was a pretty you know that was one of the biggest knocks on his game was that nobody knew if he could do it on his own. Everybody everybody just kind of figured that Sharif Cooper, as gifted as he was as a, as a playmaker, created those shots for him. So they were kind of wondering, okay, is this kid? as gifted offensively as kind of people make him out to be. And in my first experience watching him be the primary lead guy when when he was given that opportunity, like I said, it was kind of frustrating him him coming off the bench and, and all that stuff. But when he was given that opportunity to run the show, he ran it to perfection. I was but so I impressed. I remember a conversation we had had before, you and I, and you had seen him somewhere where – Sharif wasn't playing, unless I've got this totally wrong. I remember that conversation. MB, MBPA and, Top 100 camp. Yeah, I saw him there. And that sounds right. You got to see him with the ball in his hands and, and uh, the rest of us happening. And I know, remember you telling me you felt like he could do that. Yeah, and I think that was even – because that was a camp setting and, you know, it was it, – it's, it's a little different working with, you know, it's almost like an all-star – not an all-star game. It's like a competitive all-star game. With with you know high level camps like that, whereas you know high school ball, 
you know, you're working for a national you know, it's a long-term game. You're working for that national you know, a national title at the high school level. It's it's just a different feel. I you know, I saw he was able to do that at, at the MBPA Top 100 camp and I was impressed, but the way he for for whatever reason the way he did it this past week was was the he, he was the best I've ever seen him without a doubt I was very very impressed and you know he he scored 13 in the first game 17 in the next game which you know those aren't you know mind blowing numbers but just his impact on the game and how he just set things up and and created just good stuff was it was just it was very very impressive I was very impressed um let me take 30 seconds real quick, and I'm going to do this in a minute for another recruit that we're going to talk about. Okay. For BJ Boston, Corey Evans over at Rivals, a guy that we all think highly of, said some really pleasing stuff about BJ Boston, and it should really ease the minds of Kentucky fans going into next year. They're worried about the spacing that this current team has. He said, after the Tarkanian Classic, Boston has sneaky powers. One of the things that I've always valued in B.J. Boston is just how good of a passer he is. Once he hit another growth spurt two years ago, and due to those they teamed up with, he was placed into a scoring role that, thanks to his talent base, flourished within. Playing with a loaded Sierra Canyon squad, Boston has begun to to display again his hidden playmaking skills. This all all is to say that that Boston's passing prowess will only enhance what Kentucky might be able to achieve next year. While John Calipari is often relied on a loan, primary ball handler to facilitate his team's offense, Boston might unlock a more versatile backcourt. That's what we'll have to rely solely on Devin Nasty from their 2020 recruiting class to create their half-court offense. Boston could be used on the ball in spurts, which may give Askew and the above 40% and the above 40% perimeter shooting that he boasted during the Nike EYBL play in the summer a chance to be used as an off-ball threat. Such would allow for Easier driving lanes for Cameron Fletcher and Terrence Clark, and also a more dynamic offense in Lexington. That's very promising to hear. Boom! Yeah, he he hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly the the exact takeaway I had watching that. I mean, it it I literally watched watched him play and thought, man, he would be so damn deadly right now in this Kentucky offense right today. He could walk into he could walk into that game on Saturday against Louisville and make an impact. I promise you. I, I without a doubt, he could make an impact. He was that impressive. I was absolutely just thrilled with with how he played and what he brought to the table and his growth from the last time I've seen him. I mean, it was it was just very impressive and Kentucky fans just 100% need to be excited. Um moving on on from BJ Boston and on to another Kentucky signee that was also in attendance, Devin Askew. Um I you know, he the the first time I saw him, I, I watched him play three times. The first night he just didn't look right. For some reason, I could just tell he was, you know, he was sluggish. He was, um, you know, out. He was winded really, really easily. It, it just, it, it was not the same player that I saw him that that I saw at Peach Jam. Um, it wasn't the same guy I saw on film, you know, after he committed and all that. Like he, it was it, something was just not off. It was just not right with him. 
And after the game, I talked to him, and I was like, so, you know, and he still had 9-7-7. Seven, and seven. It wasn't like he had a bad game. You know, he was still facilitating and, and doing, you know, all the – all the you know the the gritty grind work that that we've known him to be able to do, but it just wasn't it wasn't the the level the level of of game that I know he's personally capable of. Um, so when I asked about asked him about it after the game, he was the, you know the first thing he said was, "Man, our whole team was hit with with some bug, and and we're just floored right now. We're just we're just none of us feel right right now. We're we're super sick." And I was like, "Ah." That makes that makes complete sense, and and go figure. The very next day, he he goes out there, drops twenty seven, looks like a superstar. So yeah, it, it it was it was a rough start. The first time I saw him, I was a little not disappointed, but but expected a a little bit more. Uh, and then the next time he stepped out on the floor, he was exactly what we've hyped him up to be. You know, dynamic scorer, dynamic shooter. Uh, just elite floor general. You know, he he created about fifteen assists. He was only credited with eight or I can't remember the exact stat line that he had in the second game, but, but you know, without miss, you know, without factoring in misses, he created about 15 assists or so. Um, yeah, he was, he is a very, very impressive player. A guy that I still contend to this day is, is the, the perfect college basketball player. I don't know how, how high his ceiling is at the, at the NBA level. I don't know how many years he's going to be in Lexington, but I 100% still think that he can lead a very, very, very good Kentucky basketball team, a great Kentucky basketball team next year, and potentially lead them to a national title. I think he is he's that good in terms of being a, uh, a complete floor general. Travis, like we did with B.J. Boston, after me seeing him in action, you know, what are your overall ac- uh, reactions based on, you know, the film that you've seen and, and some of the, um, you know, the latest that you've seen from modern day season so far? Like, like you said a minute ago, like we said all along, he's, I don't think he's a NBA guy, but I think he's a multi-year college guy that's going to make winning plays over his college career. He has winning intangibles. He's a great shooter from the outside. We'll play defense and we'll hustle more than anyone else on the court, but he does have some limitations. He's not the quickest whenever it comes to foot speed. He's not the best finishing in the lane, but I think he is a good, I think he's going to be a really good college point guard. And I think, I'm torn. I want to know y'all's. I want to know y'all's answer on this. Would you all rather? Do you think it's more likely that a junior Emmanuel quickly, if he comes back, starts, or a freshman Devin Askew starts next year? David, let's, let's get your opinion first. Quickly. Yeah. And, and I, I'm I'm kind of to the point. I'm gonna be Debbie Downer because I, I've gotten to the point now where. I just I, I look at an Ohio State and look at teams like that, and they just got the older, mature, more physical bodies and experience, and I, I just think you've got to have that. And and I, I think if you've got a junior compared to a uh, a, a freshman, and, and you've got to remember too, we're going back and on some of these guys and, and talking about reclasses. So you're talking about guys that even ought to be high school seniors. And I think we're kind of seeing uh, what what kind of issues Johnny Juzang's having in, in making the transition. And uh, I, I just want the experience and, and more physical, physically mature bodies. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you both hit it hit it on the ne- on the head with with quickly being the I don't know if it's an obvious option, but 
probably the, the the clubhouse leader right right away. Just in terms of you know you saw you've seen the growth. I, I know he's been you know on a cold cold spell, missing shots lately. But you you saw the growth in terms of his own personal confidence from last year to this year, and and just how much better of a complete player he is. I mean, last year I know I know he turned it on a little bit toward the end of the year, but you know for the for the majority of the year he was nothing more than a, a decent bench role player. You know he he really wasn't. You know, uh, playing up to his five-star McDonald's All-American status. You know, he 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 really just wasn't that type of player at all. But this year, you know, he he has taken that next step. And and whether you know, I don't think he's he's playing like an NBA player by any means. And I do think a a junior season is 100% in the works for him right now. So yeah, as of today, I think it would be um I think it'd be IQ starting. But man. Imagine a guy like Devin Askew coming off the bench and, you know, even playing, you know, if they want to go four guards or however, um, you know, small a small ball lineup, however Kyle wants to wants to do it, um, man, to have that kind of weapon come off the bench, that, that'd be pretty impressive. Could you, could you imagine in spurts, because I don't think B.J. Boston could play a four on the defensive end of the court for an extended period of time, but could you imagine a lineup of quickly Askew, Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston all on the floor at the same time, all really capable shooters. And a guy like Isaiah Jackson is the five to be your yeah. rim-running lob catcher. Oh. oh, yeah, that would be – that'd be they'd have to score a million points a game because they'd probably give up give up quite a bit on defense. But, you know, it, it, for the, the fun aspect of it, it'd be, it'd be one heck of a time for sure. Um, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, the – what what the both players said after the game uh, when, when I talked to them both. Um, the first guy I talked to was Devin Askew, and I talked to them both on, on two separate days. So Askew, I go up to Askew, and I, you know, ask about how he's playing and, you know, what do you hope to bring to the table and, you know, typical – you know, typical questions like that. And then I asked him about his recruiting efforts and, um, you know, who Kentucky is going to – is still going after, who he's recruiting personally. He mentioned as soon as he committed, uh, he talked to a couple different outlets that, that he has a couple guys in mind who he's recruiting and all that. So, obviously, I was going to ask that – you know, ask the question, okay, you said that you're going to be a, a, an impressive recruiter once you, once you committed and signed. How is that working? So that's the question I asked him. And he kind of gives a, uh, you know, I don't really want to talk about it unless Calipari gives me the okay. Uh, you know, I don't want to give out any names in particular. He was being very, like, like he was walking on eggshells. Like he like he knew Coach Cal would be watching that interview and didn't want to get grief from grief from him. He was just very, very cautious with, with how he was wording things and all that. And I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And I, I – you know, my question to you guys is: Do you guys think that it was any, that he was talking about anybody in particular? Is you know, is who who do you think he could have been talking about in terms of I don't want to give out any names, Travis? What do you think? Well, I think that everybody knows who the main two targets are for UK finishing up this class. That's Cliff Omarui and I say Paulo ben, Paulo Banchero and. No, nobody knows what's going on with Jonathan Kaminga right now. Absolutely nobody has a clue what's going on with him and his recruitment. But I think it wouldn't surprise me if it was a combination of uh, those three guys in some way. What about Greg Brown? You Do you think UK's I, out of I it? Or? I just don't see him at UK, which might ch- – I'm not going to write him off because he still has to take an official visit. Yeah, I shoot, isn't he visiting next week? Yeah. 
And I think with the way Texas has started the season, I think that he's going to – I think that's where he'll end up most likely. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a good point, David. What what do you think of, of you know, who Devin could have been talking about and just kind of his comments altogether? Do you think that Calipari, you know, after B.J. Boston kind of did his, uh, oh, we have a silent commit that, you, that I'm not allowed to talk about yet, do you think that he's trying to keep things under wraps now moving forward? Well, if uh, you're kind of worried about what your coach is going to think, if you say something, then there, there's probably something out there you don't need to say. And uh, <laughs> but for being a parent and school teacher long enough to coach, I've, I've figured that out. It's it's what they don't say. <laughs> and uh, I, I I think that the names that uh, you say, uh, I, I would agree with that. Uh, of course, the first one that comes to my mind is Banchero and. His name kind of popped in with me as well when Kennedy Chandler got the offer this week. So, um, I'd have to agree with Travis all the way around. Yeah, that's the that's another very very interesting point to bring up the fact that Kennedy Chandler, a t- uh, top, I think he's ranked number eleven in the twenty four seven rankings, a, a top ten ish player in the class of twenty twenty one, received an offer. He came on the source of say or. Uh, Paolo Banchero came on the Source to Say podcast several weeks back and and mentioned Kennedy Chandler by name as a player that he specifically wants to play with at the next level. The Kentucky rumors are very very strong with Paolo. No matter when he comes to college, I think I think Kentucky's in a phenomenal spot with him. And I think I think you got to at least acknowledge the fact that that the relationship between Kennedy and and Paolo is there, and they're at least they're at least uh, you know they're at least putting that out there to see you know to see if if either either player bites because you know the, I think. Kentucky's top one of their top priorities is getting Paolo and if they have to you know sign a top 11 player in the country oh darn I think they're going to do it uh Travis I know you put out something earlier this week or, or you know or you, you at least mentioned to us that uh, about Kentucky's chances with Kennedy had have do you think that has changed at all with the offer uh or you know what are your updated thoughts on that well first off I, a while back I whenever UK was sniffing around with Kennedy Chandler, like whenever their relationship start, first started building, I asked somebody that is close to him, like, hey, are they wanting him for 2020 or 2021? He said that they wanted him for 2021. And um, actually, they said that they wanted him to reclass and go to 2020. That's what that's what it was. And sorry, I got that mixed up there. But I talked to this same guy a few weeks ago, and he said – that his his top three right now is Tennessee, Memphis, and North Carolina. That Tennessee, that he loves Tennessee, that they're monitoring what's going on in Memphis, and that they're that a lot of people close to him want him to go and, and play for Roy Williams and that system that really flourishes with the point guard play. After they saw what Kobe White did last year, what Paul Anthony was doing this year, you know, he didn't everything around him. But yeah. Going back to what I said about him going to 2020, or UK wanting him for 2020, I found that interesting because I was told that when UK was still recruiting Kate Cunningham. So that's what I remember. That's what caught me off guard was that I was like, "Hey, they're recruiting Kate Cunningham and still want Kennedy Chandler for 2020." Whenever they already had Devin Askey in the bag. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it, I'm 
I'm very the the timing of it more than anything was very very suspicious to me because it came on Christmas Day and it came immediately after the well I mean to put it out you know be honest it came right after you started talking about about their chances you know not you know the, not that Kentucky was out but that it's just that it, it just wasn't in the works right now so the timing was just pretty interesting and and uh, you know you know what I'm gonna give you credit for for Kennedy Chandler getting a Kentucky offer. I, I'm, I'm going to blame, I'm going to blame it 100% on you. I, I had written uh, and even went back after the offer. I did another article on story, but I did some notes over the weekend and I'd even discussed with Travis. I sent him a text and, and, and actually screenshot what I've written. I said, it's just of, of what I'm saying. Cause like you say, Travis was out in front of this one and he kind of steered me on exactly how I needed to word it. But uh, I, I even said in, in those notes that uh, his interview, if anybody subscribes to Rivals and they saw Kennedy Chandler's interview with uh, uh, Corey Evans, uh, that that interview basically backed up what Travis had said because he had mentioned eight schools that he was interested in and there was never a, a breath about Kentucky. Hmm. So uh, I was totally surprised. That was surprising because, you know, this comes within a week of the offer of no mention. So, you know, it it, it, it really kind of gave me uh, reinforced what Travis had said. Go ahead, Travis. I'm sorry. I, oh, no, you're, you're good. Sorry to cut you off. Um, I was told by the same guy whenever – a couple weeks ago, whenever he told me that UK is a, no, a quote, no-go for Chandler, that <coughs> – excuse me – that – what did he say? He said that UK would be in the top 10 uh, whenever he re- releases his top 10 schools. But that was just like that they weren't really an option. And I asked him afterwards, after he got the UK offer, like still going to be a no-go. And he said, he said, yeah, as of right now, I don't see them getting in the race. And then said, said some things, like some reasons why, but I'm not going to name them on here. Some reasons why. They weren't going to be able to enter the race. So, hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, but you know, on the other hand, and I, I said this in the article, and and I'm, I'm just kind of adding to the speculate, just speculation from debates, say because I think it's it's pretty fascinating. You know, Calipari doesn't offer guys that he doesn't think he can get. Right. So yeah. and we've seen that over and over. So I, I just think the whole thing's fascinating. Yeah. I'll say this. Uh, somebody close to him told me he is far from a Memphis lock. A lot of people around him do not want him to go to Memphis because of things that recruiting pitches that uh, Penny Hardaway has used to recruit him. They think it's kind of arrogant. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all. Um, more on on Asu's comment in in terms of what he was talking about with with Cliff Omarui. Um, I don't know if you guys heard that, but but he said that uh, I you know I asked after the the back and forth about you know him not being able to talk about the recruits in particular and and the, and mentioned by name. I said, well, you have you know you have been pretty outspoken about your relationship with Cliff Omarui and and you know the fact that you want him to join you in Lexington. He was like, oh oh yeah yeah yeah. I you know that's that's somebody I can talk about, which kind of adds to the mystery of okay, well if he's allowed to talk to a 
a top 50 kid, it, mean, it means that the guys that he have, has on his mind is obviously somebody of, of major importance and, and of, you know, prominence. So that, that, that in itself was pretty interesting. But um, when talking about, uh, about Cliff, he said flat out that he's going to do whatever it takes to get him to, to Lexington. He said, what, whatever I can do, let's do it, man. Um, said that they 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 met uh, their sophomore years at a top 100 camp in St. Louis, I believe. Said that they hit it right off. That their chemistry was incredible, uh, and that he's very very interested in playing playing together with Cliff. So that could be one of the major, you know, one of the final pieces to this this class of 2020. Uh, guys, do you still kind of are are you guys kind of penciling Cl- uh, Cliff into to the end end class? Cliff is really in uh, tied to with Devin Askew. You know, when I spoke with uh, uh, Muhammad Oliver, his uh, uh, guardian, here a couple weeks ago, I brought that up about him and Devin, and, man, he went into just a, a big, long spill just to how comfortable they are with each other. And uh, I think that, that Devin coming to Kentucky uh, was uh, – I'm not going to say a deal breaker yet, but I, I think it is a big, big factor in him making a decision. And, and he's really comfortable with a guy that's going to have a ball with with Devin who's going to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, very, yeah, very good point. Um, um, we got to move move quickly from here. Like I said, we're going to try to keep this keep this one short. Um, but I do want to talk about Jaden Hardy, who is kind of the big the the, the big third player um, that everybody was watching very closely at the Tarkanian Classic. Um, man, this the story that I have of of him in the night before the Tarkanian Classic even started was just it, it was just absolutely nuts. So we get a so we get a press release from UK. Um, that or not a press release, but a you know a, a, an email to the media members that say, okay, there's going to be an open practice for media members only at Coronado High School in in Henderson, Nevada, um, when when they arrive. Uh, I believe it was on Tuesday, and of course I was like, oh sweet, sounds good. That 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 sounds great. So I show up at Coronado at five o'clock. And the doors are locked. I'm the only media person there, and I'm like, okay, am I in the right place? Well, you know, what's what's going on here? And finally, uh, Coronado's head coach, Coach Kaufman, comes comes and lets me in the door, and he's kind of like, uh, can I help you? And I'm like, is Kentucky supposed to be practicing here? And he says, uh, yeah, but not in the next couple minutes. But you know, come on inside. And I go in there, and Jaden Hardy is sitting there practicing with his Coronado team you know they're they're right in the middle of their practice so I was like oh fairly convenient I'm gonna watch arguably you know one of Kentucky's top guard prospects in in the class of 2021 that sounds like a fun time so I watch him and and it's it's toward the tail end of practice so I don't get to see too much of him but um but he you know he played really well and and afterwards so the, and then the Kentucky team walks walks in you know five ten minutes later and it was just like it, it all started hitting me like this was set up by Calipari. There is no doubt in my mind that Calipari, you know, once he landed or, you know, whenever it was scheduled, called called Coach Kaufman at Coronado and said, hey, I need a gym in Las Vegas. Can you give me one? And, oh, wow, it just so happened that one of Kentucky's top prospects in 2021 just so happens to be there and just so happens to be practicing the same day. Uh, it was It was just a really cool experience. Practice ends, um, and UK starts practicing on their own. 
and Jaden Hardy is there, you know, standing there watching the entire practice with his dad and Coach Kaufman, and I almost had to put down a paper towel to, to clean up all the drool from all three of them, watch it, watching them watch this practice. It was crazy how just fascinated all three of them were, you know, specifically Jaden and his dad. Um, you know, Coach Coffin was trying to keep it professional, but, like, you know, they were, you know, Jaden and his dad were very, very, very intrigued with how Calipari was running things and, and just, you know, kind of how the whole night was unfolding. And I, I went over and I talked to uh, Jaden's dad, and I was like, man, what is this like? You know, what, I, I know the rumors were out there about Jaden liking Kentucky, and, you know, what's it like to have Kentucky in your gym? He was like, man, it's a gift. It's an absolute gift to have uh, a program like this come into my home gym. And it was like, wow, that's that's one heck of a quote. That's really cool. Um, and then, you know, I go up to Coach Kaufman, and we're talking, and he's like, hey, you know, why don't you come over and meet and meet Jaden? And, and so I go in there, and we're, you know, I'm – you know, shooting the breeze with, with Jaden, we're talking and, you know, I'm asking him about the Kentucky rumors, you know, stuff, you know, off the record, just, just us talking and, and, you know, just, just hanging out. And man, he was, he is just such an awesome kid, phenomenal dude. You know, his coach told me that he has, you know, all A's and one B told me about how, how incredible of a character he is, you know, just a, a, an awesome, awesome kid that, that I am, I am just I would love for him to join Kentucky's class in you know in, in two seasons. I'm a huge fan of of Jaden as a person and and you know what he brings to the table off the floor. And then I saw him in the Tarkanian Classic, light it up for 33 points and just absolutely destroy uh, destroy the opposition. He's he's the best scoring guard in in the class of 2021 by far. I think he's going to be a top five kid when it, when it's all said and done. He's he's a stud. But I I'm just. I'm letting you guys know in advance before you know the the his recruitment really takes off and he starts taking his officials and all that stuff. I'm here to tell you right now that I would be shocked if he lands anywhere other than Kentucky. And I know we talked about it a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks, but after meeting him, seeing him in person, and how he was interacting with the Kentucky coaching staff and talking with them, I am here to tell you that Kentucky is the favorite. On that note, is that. You know, is that kind of what you guys are leaning and and where what you guys are thinking with, you know, with your your guys' ears to the ground, uh, Travis? What do you think? Last week, I put in a future cast for him. I was the first one to put in a future cast for him to any school. I put one in for him to Kentucky based on conversations I've had with Coach Kaufman. He always talks so glowingly about Jaden as a per- well. First of all, he talks like you said about Jaden so glowingly. And it seems like he is such a high character kid. He said he's a fantastic ball player, but even better off the court. And he talk, it seems like there's always um, underlying tone. It seems like whenever he talks about Kentucky. And based off your conversations and the conversations I've had, I get the vibe that Kentucky's in a great spot as of today. And that's why I made my future cast off of. And talking about his game. Corey Evans said this about his game uh, after watching the Tarkanian Classic. He's strong. He makes the right play. He scores with ease, and he dictates the pace of the game. At this point, he has to be in the conversation for top five in the class for 2021, and if he doesn't crack in the next rankings update, he won't be far off. I saw a lot a lot of Brad Bill in high school, and what Hardy is doing reminds me of watching Bill flip the switch from pretty good to beast during his junior year. Spot on. So, Brad, I, I love I really Brad Beal like comparison. comparison. I really like that a lot. And this, Jaden Hardy might be the best scorer that Cal has gotten to Kentucky, if if he commits to Kentucky, of course. But you can make that argument. 
because he's fantastic. This coach said he's probably the best outside shooter in all of college, but I mean, all of high school basketball. You saw him light up the team for 33. He scored 30 plus, it seems like, every game. I've read his stats this year. And I think you wouldn't have to worry about spacing and off shooting nights with him for the most part. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. Yeah, you know, watching Jaden, it almost reminds me of, you know, you, you talk about how this might be Calipari's best, you know, overall scoring guard if he is to end up at Kentucky. And, it, I mean, it, it really feels like he has that, that Malik Monk level of just – you know, shoot like the like the the hoop is is 15 feet wide. Where when he's on, he is just on fire, and nobody's going to slow him down. And you know, like Malik Monk, I was actually texting you guys during during the game, and after, you know, the first seven minutes or so, he went scoreless. I think he was like 0 for one, had like three turnovers, uh, really really poor start. And I te- I, I texted you guys and I said. Uh, wow, one heck of a start for for Jaden. And from that, from my text message on, like the first seven minutes, he was held scoreless. And from like the seven minute mark through the you know the end of the first half, he rattled off like like seventeen straight points. It was something just just unbelievable. It was like everything he threw up toward the rim went in. He it, it was just it was something you just got to see in per- person. I love. Love that Brad Beal comparison. I think it's I think it's absolutely spot on. Uh, just just in terms of being an overall pure you know lightning rod scorer, he is that kind of player. Um, guys, I know we need to get out of here really quickly. Um, we got through the the three main guys we wanted to talk about, but Kentucky Louisville tomorrow. We gotta you know we at least gotta mention. You know, Kentucky's coming off back-to-back losses. Things looked really, really poor in in the Utah game. Some things to to you know to hang your hat on against Ohio State, but still, a loss is a loss. Real quickly, before we guys before we get out of there, uh, out of here, uh, David, give me your keys to the game for for Kentucky versus Louisville. Kentucky is going to see a lot in Louisville that that they saw against Ohio State. Uh, tell you the truth. Um, you're going to see a, a really physical team in a half court, kind of a pack line defense. And uh, they're going to make – Kentucky's going to have to beat them, and Louisville's going to make them beat them by doing some things that they've not done very well. Kentucky's going to have to make outside shots. Kentucky is, is going uh, to have to get some post scoring, which was non-existent in Las Vegas. Um, and – also, on the other end, uh, you know, the, the saving grace is that Louisville doesn't score a lot themselves. So I think this is like a possession game. I think it's late, low scoring. I can see this game not getting out of the 50s. I know that Travis is kind of concerned about the matchup with Dwayne Sutton. <clears throat> I'm more uh, I'm concerned with how they match up with Nawara because he's 6'7". Uh, I know there's been a lot of speculation in the House of Blue uh, on the on our rival side about who's going to end up guarding him. And I, I think that's a tough call because at 6'7", he's too big for the guards. He's too quick for Sestina. Somewhere along the line, they have to, to figure that out. I'm going to take Kentucky, and not because it looks that way on paper. Louisville has just about every advantage I just think, though, this is one of those circle of wagon games. I think like last year when Tennessee came to town, you knew what was going to happen. I go back years ago when Tubby was coaching Kentucky and Florida came in ranked number one. You knew what was going to happen. 
It's been kind of a wine and cheese crowd this year in Lexington. But I think this game, it's a circle the wagon game. It's one that's circled on the calendar. And, and man, I, I just think the team and the crowd is going to be up to just wheel them through this. And I think in a very low-scoring game, they find a way. Very good, and uh, and Travis, let's let's wrap it up. What do you? What are your keys to the game? And uh, give me give me a score prediction. My keys to the game, like you said, I'm from Kentucky's aspect. I'd be worried about Dwayne Sutton more than Jordan Wara. Uh, Dwayne is a matchup nightmare for Kentucky's wings. He's he's too quick for them. And, well, he, he's too big for the wings, and UK doesn't have great wing defenders. And for the for the four men, for Kentucky's four men, he's way too quick. EJ and Nate will both struggle to stay in front of him. I think Kentucky's got to force a lot of turnovers to get out in transition because I don't think Kentucky wants to play half-court offensive games back and forth with Louisville. But I think Ashton Higgins is going to make Darius Perry's life a living hell. And I think EJ and Nick have to bring something to the table. They cannot just be out there like they were the past couple of games. But I'll say this: It's not as bad as some people are making it seem with Kentucky this year because they're they're only twelve points, which is four made threes away from being just from away from being undefeated. The key to their whole season is being able to hit the outside shot. And while I don't think that they'll be able, be able to do it this weekend, I think it'll come eventually. I have Kentucky losing to Louisville sixty-one fifty-seven. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a great point. I think Kentucky, this is not a game for Kentucky to try to beat beat Lowell in the half court. I think this is, I mean, it has to be Ashen Hagen's, you know, initiating the offense, you know, forcing turnovers, getting out in transition, and and they're going to have to beat them on the run. There's no other way to to put it. They're not going to beat them in, in in a half court set. They're not going to, you know, they just they they don't have the the offensive identity right now to. To, to do that, I mean that's just that's just flat out. They do not have an offensive identity, and against the number three team in the nation is not is not where we're going to find one. To you know, as as tough as that is, it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, you you hit it right on on all the major points. You got to get something from the front court. Got to get something from EJ and Nick. Um, you know, got to be able to make some shots. You got to be able to stop Jordan Nora. You got to be able to stop Dwayne Sutton. I mean, it's 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 going to be a tough game. They're the number three team in the nation for a reason, um, but but I do think Kentucky has the advantage in, at the guard spot, and I think that's going to be the way to beat them. If they're gonna if they're gonna win this game, they're gonna need to completely dominate it in the backcourt and somewhat neutralize Jordan Nora, and and I think Kentucky has a decent chance. I am gonna go Kentucky seventy one. 67. Uh, I think it's going to be close all the way to the end. I think Kentucky's going to push, you know, push ahead and, and win the free throw free throw battle there at the end and push ahead to push ahead by four to win the game. Um, Travis, I appreciate you, man. Tomorrow's your birthday, guys. Wish Travis happy birthday on Twitter, on social media, wherever you find him. Go wish him happy birthday. Uh, and, and guys, we I appreciate you guys uh, being patient with us through this holiday season. With um, us going, you know, me going to, to Vegas, we weren't able to record a show this week and then or last week, and then obviously with Christmas, we had to push it back a little bit. So thank you for being patient with us. We appreciate you, Travis. Before we hop off, tell tell fans where where they can find your work. You can find my work alongside David's at Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. You can find me on Twitter at Trav underscore Grass, and you can listen to my other podcast, the Cat Scan Pod with a K, on every podcast outlet, and you can follow it on Twitter at Cat Scan Pod, also with a K.
You can find David's work on Cats Illustrated with with Travis. You can find him on Twitter at Coach David Sisk. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim. Jack Pilgrim KSR, if you want to uh, sponsor this show, don't be afraid to reach out to me either there or uh, Pilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. And with that, we will be back next week for another jam-packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. It's just a